Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. break your daily podcast for the biggest storylines results and controversies from the tennis world today is friday august 21st we have a really fun conversation for all of you listeners today as i am joined once again on the podcast by our friend dave limke from midwest sports and midwest sports has an incredible offer for all of you listeners during this Western and Southern Open. And some of you may know this, but for those that don't, Midwest Sports based in Cincinnati. And so the Western and Southern Open, an event near and dear to their heart, they are always on site during that event. And I know how much it means to all of them. You'll all hear how much it means uh, to Dave during this conversation to be on site, to have that sort of interaction with their customers, to be able to offer that firsthand accounts of all of their products. And again, just be on the ground. Of course, now, given what's gone on these five plus you know months, I think all of us miss personal interaction, You know, even with strangers at this point, just being out there, meeting someone new, saying hello. And so, of course, obviously, Midwest Sports disappointed they're not going to have that chance this year in New York, but nevertheless, they don't want you fans to feel like you're missing out on any of the action, and so they're offering a Western and Southern Open giveaway, and folks, the items they are offering are too good to pass up, things such as a Babolat Pure Arrow, you know, a Dunlop FX, a Head Speed Racket, and of course, the Coup de Gras for 2021 Western Southern Open tickets, plus a $1,000 gift card and a Western Southern Open hats on Friday. Uh, we talk about how, you know, Dave and I, how all you listeners can get in on the action, what you have to do to sign up, because obviously that's incredible. And we're all so used to the incredible work of Midwest Sports because for more than 30 years, right, they've served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers by offering a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. And you already know they value innovation. They've personally tailored their products to highlight anyone's skills on the court. But best of all, their well-trained staff, intimately familiar with tennis equipment, can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. That's what this Western Southern Open giveaway is going to do. It's going to help you get ahead of the competition, get yourself a chance to win some new gear, because as we have learned, and as I have learned through my many conversations with Dave, it's a really underappreciated aspect of tennis. People aren't updating their gear as frequently as they should be, whether it's regripping or restringing their rackets, even buying a new frame, because racket frames do decay, and that's a subject that Dave and I really get into today. Of course, we're all, as tennis fans, so excited for this three-week bubble in New York. I had to get some tennis thoughts from him, asked him to put on his tennis fan hat at the beginning. But then, of course, we talk about the latest sticks being offered. We talk about some of the new frames. I ask him, because it's a common refrain amongst tennis players, right? Why should I update my racket? It's just paying, you know, hundred-plus dollars for a new paint job, and is that really worth it if they're not actually, you know, updating the technology? Are they just trying to swindle me? 
Dave addresses that rumor. He says, look, there are some companies where the racket isn't as updated as it needs to be, but the majority of tennis you know, rackets are the next generation. It's because they have changed something about the composition of the racket. He gets into, again, the importance of it all. It's it's a little bit nerdy, I'm not going to lie, but you're used to that here on the mini break. We get into tennis nerddom at its finest, so I'm really excited for all of you to hear that conversation. Before we get to that, I have to get to some breaking news. So, Westoff, give me a breaking news sound effect, por favor. And look, we all over these past, we've all learned these, you know, this five plus month pandemic, it's going to influence all levels of our lives. And in the world of tennis, it's going to influence all aspects of tennis, not just the pro circuit, not just the junior circuit, where we've seen so many events canceled, obviously, throughout this year, but the college tennis ranks. And, you know, for college tennis, it's so deeply tied to other college athletics. If there's no football, no basketball generating revenue for every other college sport, uh, it becomes very difficult for so many athletic departments to be able to host teams, to be able to have, you know, a gymnastics team, a swimming team, a tennis team, sports that while, you know, again, frankly, just they don't generate the revenue. And you know, there's never going to be a bigger advocate for college tennis than than me, than us here at Crack Rackets. Obviously, I think the cutting of any program is is crushing, and it's something if we can't avoid it, we absolutely should. There's frivolities throughout athletic departments that, if taken away, could certainly help pay for programs like, I don't know, tennis or gymnastics or any of these low-cost sports as well, because it's not like tennis, you know, we, we've talked about the stats before, but in terms of non-revenue sports, men's tennis, I believe, loses the least of the non-revenue sports at, from a perspective. And, you know, again, needless to say, the point I am trying to make is the financial implications of this global pandemic are going to be far reaching. They're going to influence all levels of college tennis. And to now, you know, up until this point, uh, Power Five conferences had been safe. And of course, when I refer to Power Five conferences, I'm talking about the Big Ten, the Pac 12, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. Well, that appears to no longer be the case. Unfortunately, we got the announcement today, and that's why this mini break is coming a little bit later in the day, because I wanted to do some digging to ensure that it was true, and it turns out it is true. The University of Iowa announcing that they are going to be cutting multiple sports, discontinuing four programs upon the completion of the 2020-2021 academic year. Those sports are men's gymnastics, men's and women's swimming and diving, and men's tennis. And that, of course, is devastating to hear. And some of you cracked fans might remember we had University of Iowa men's tennis head coach Ross Wilson on the podcast only a few months ago. And, you know, for Coach Wilson's Iowa men's tennis team, they reached a program high, top 20 for the first time in school history during the 2020 season. This was a program on the rise. Coach Wilson, an exceptional coach to lead a program like this. You know, Coach Wilson's pred- pedigree in college tennis, we talked about. But then, former Ohio State Buckeye has coached at multiple stops along the way. I mean, they were in a really healthy place. And obviously, you think about Iowa, you think about a program where I believe they generate, what, $50 million in revenue? I, I think I read somewhere from their football team with no football this season. Every other program's going to take a bath. And you, you know, again, you look at some of the exorbitant salaries of some of these D1 men football head coaches. And by the way, it's twofold for me because I do think the best coaches should demand the biggest dollar. That's how this works. You deserve to be compensated fairly uh, for being exceptional at your job. That being said, did 
do we really need that seventh million, that eighth million? We couldn't just go with a cool six and then fun things like, I don't know, tennis and swimming. It, it, it's just, it's really, it, it's crushing, obviously, uh, to learn this sort of information. And so, uh, you know, it, it's a really devastating blow. And I will say I've had the chance to talk with people around the program. I've exchanged texts and everyone's crushed. I mean, especially given where this program was on the rise. Again, if you're Iowa, you look at your men's tennis team and you're looking at your other, you know, athletic departments. And I guess for Iowa, a sport like wrestling, right, they're exceptional at wrestling, I believe. So that's never going to get cut. But certainly you would put men's tennis as an on-the-rise program. You'd think it would have been one of the safer ones, top 20, you know, again, success and it's just not the case, and so devastating. This is the reality we live in, and if a Power 5 conference program is at risk, a Power 5 school, if you're making $50 million you know, on average year after year as an athletic department, you'd think you'd have the money to withstand something like this. Maybe not for three years, maybe not for five years, but certainly one season of down revenue. And if a program like Iowa can't, which obviously has one of the more, I would say it's a top 25 football school in the country in terms of its popularity, in terms of its success, but it's, I don't know, it, it's its really, I, it's tough to process. Obviously, I have reached out to others. This will be a topic we continue uh, to examine here at Cracked Rackets, a topic we continue to, you know, I'm going to hear from players when I get the go-ahead from Coach Wilson to share our discussions. I will do that. I have chatted with him a little bit, but I mean, the initial reaction is just devastation, right? This is just so sinking for so many of those athletes. I mean, look, I believe they have a senior coming back by the name of Jason Kirst, who wasn't that much younger than me from my area in Michigan. I mean, if he's still a senior, you'd think, okay, but he's, what, 22, 23, I'm 24, turning 25 this year. So if he's really good, he's playing D1 college tennis, you understand how he would have played someone two years older. Uh, and it, I, I know how much Iowa tennis means to him. You, you look at other people who have already responded. It it's just it, it really sucks. And so obviously a little bit of breaking news for all of you listeners here. Uh, just something to keep in mind, again, because college tennis near and dear to our hearts. And of course, we're all going to be locked in on the pro tennis we see over these next three weeks, but there's still a lot of things to unfold. You know, Big Ten, Pac-12 canceling fall sports. What does that mean for tennis? What about the conferences that aren't canceling? What's it going to look like in January? So many questions still up in the air. All things to continue to think about. Put them in the back of your mind maybe for these next three weeks, but keep them in there definitely because college tennis, uh, obviously something we all enjoy as a tennis community. We don't want anything to jeopardize it moving forward. But in the here and now, we are all locked in on the three-week bubble in New York. And finally, for the first time since March, we have both ATP and WTA action taking place yesterday, day one of qualifying, kicking off in New York again for this Western and Southern Open. And we had some really cool results throughout the day. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to break down each and every match. And it was a big thing early in the day. There were no streams for any of this qualifying, not on tennis TV, not on tennis channel. You had to go to, you know, the random Ukrainian betting site that you Googled and because you've done deep dives, you found it before. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's crazy, certainly, and, and that, that these things weren't on TV. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's absolutely nuts. And um, 
yeah, I just uh, – anyways, that that was, uh, I suppose, a minute detail. You'd think if tennis is back, you'd probably want to advertise that fact, right? You'd be like, hey, uh, tennis is, is out. No, you know, tennis, it's back. We want you to watch it. Here's an easy way to watch it. Let's facilitate this. Let's tweet out links with everything we do. We'll put it on Instagram too. Yeah, maybe you'll need a subscription, but certainly it would just be easily available. No, that was not the case. Nevertheless, we got some really fun results throughout the day. You know, you look at some of the winners, the most notable ones, if you're an American tennis fan, you were thrilled to see that. I believe the only American loser on the day, Dennis Kudla lost a match. Oh, and I think, oh, there were a couple actually. You look at it now, ooh, I don't know what I was thinking. But anyways, you look at from an American uh, perspective, Sebastian Corda uh, able to get a win. Mackie McDonald, a winner as well. Some of the other ones later in the day, Marcos Giron, J.J. Wolf, both winners too. Uh, of course, there were some fantastic matches, many, many three-set matches. You look throughout it, three, four, five. I believe six on the day. Of course, Corda was one of the winners of those three sets. Dennis Novak over Zoom her. That was a really fun 6 4 in the third qualifying matchup. You look at some of the college tennis players in play here. Uh, Dominic Kopfer of Tulane, a winner. Good to see him. He's got a ton of points to defend right at this U.S. Open after he went on his run last year. Uh, but good to see him get a win. You see, guys, you know, some of the other winners. Rusa Veroy, uh, who was so, uh, so on fire on the challenger circuit. Uh, Obviously, he continues that here. Uh, Brandon Nakashima did have the win taken out of his sails, though, by Martin Fuchovic. A 6-2-6-4 win for Fuchovic in that one. Same deal for the young Italian Yannick Sinner. He gets knocked out by a fellow Italian, Salvatore Caruso. 5-7-6-4-6-2 in the third. Uh, from a college tennis perspective, again, Cam Nori, winner. That's always cool to see. Uh, Haomi Munar, Sun Kwan, both young next-geners. They were both winners, so... You know, I am all about this generational shift. I continue to say it. You've heard it for five months. Needless to say, folks, the proof is in the pudding. These young players have come out on fire. And it's the same on the women's side, too. You look at some of the players who got wins. Uh, obviously, Katie Volleynets was a winner. Uh, it was unfortunately to see, uh, you know, CeCe Bellis 3-6 and six over uh, over Brangle. Uh, some of the other ones, Caroline Dallaheide, a winner over Paulini Casacchina, a winner as well. And Lee, a winner. Layla Fernandez, a winner. So great to see them. Great to see players like Jill Teichman, uh, Shelby Rogers carry over their success from last week as well. Uh, Jess Pagula continues to rock and roll. Straight set win for her to advance to the next round. Uh, yeah, there were some, again, some really good tennis on both the men's and women's side. Not that you got to see much of it. Really good win for Astra Sharma, 6-2-6 love over Taylor Townsend. Uh, that's just a dominant performance. Kirsten Flipkins, a good three-set win as well. So it's going to be a really fun day of final round qualifying here on Friday. Some of the matches already in the books. You look at it. You know, I'm recording this as of now. I don't think it's going to shock anyone to hear J.J. Wolf continues to rock and roll. You know, the only thing that slowed his dis- uh, ascent into the top 100 was the fact that there was no tennis these past five months. So, no surprise to see him. Three-set winner. He qualifies for his first Western and Southern main draw. Of course, it's not in his hometown of Cincy, but nevertheless, still a home event for him. So, good to see him get a win. Lloyd Harris also a winner. Fuchovic, a winner. Jill Teichman, 3-4 and four over Shelby Rogers, so she continues to rock and roll. Jess Pegula, a winner, so she'll qualify. Laura Siegemund, again, she's been playing well. She beats Caroline Dallahide to qualify. Christina McHale, your last qualifier thus far. And I will say, 
We have tennis back, folks. What does that mean? It means, of course, more podcasts. It means podcasts on the weekend. And normally, we're going to keep those podcasts for our Patreon subscribers only. But because Western and Southern starts this Saturday, we're bringing them back, folks. Your favorite Cracked Rackets writer, returning guest here on our podcast, who it's been far too long since we've had, Matt the Cracks the Koyak, going to come on to break down the draw with me uh, for this Western and Southern Open later today on Friday. You'll be able to hear that tomorrow, so something for all of you listeners to look forward to this weekend, but something all of you can also look forward to as well, and again, I wanted to keep the intro on the shorter side, but we did have some breaking news. Nevertheless, I know you are all going to enjoy today's guest, so without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Midwest Sports, Dave Lindsay. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast once again is a returning champion here here at Cracked Rackets. And of course, we are so grateful for the continued support we get from our friend at Midwest Sports. And of course, we always enjoy picking the brains of this guest, talking about the latest things in tennis technology, whether it be the newest shoes, the newest rackets, the newest strings, the trends he is seeing from what people are buying. It's just always great to pick his brain. And so, of course, I am so thrilled to be joined once again by product manager and our friend over at Midwest Sports, Dave Limke. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing okay. It's uh, great weather here today. Uh, I wish we were uh, running the retail tent out at the Western and Southern Open right now, but uh, you know, we're going to make do with what hand we've been dealt for 2020. And uh, so I'm sitting in our uh, in our offices today and uh, we're going to do a podcast. So uh, we're, we're looking to make the best of things though. Doing well otherwise. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, from my perspective, that's a win. I'd rather have you here than, you know, selfishly, <laughs> I'll take it. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely weird. I myself have spent the last two Cincinnati's with press passes and that's really the biggest tournament I get a press pass as, or at least, you know, the past two years, it was the biggest one I could travel to during the year because, uh, you know, it is by where I lived in Michigan at the time. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely weird to not have that experience this year. It's definitely something I always look forward to. But, you know, I guess we can start here. I was going to save it from at for the end, but it's on <laughs> all of our minds. Let's get it out of the way at the top. Tennis is back. And just, you know, we talked to you, Dave Limke, expert, but I want to talk to Dave Limke, tennis fan. So put that hat on for a second. Sure. What does it mean to you, you know, obviously for all of us, given what's gone on these past five months, to have both the men and the women returning for an event like Western and Southern and then the U.S. Open? I mean, I, I just think it's, I mean, obviously I'm happy to see see things, uh, you know, back, even though we've got a, you know, a little bit of a mixed field. I mean, there's uh, players that are, I think opting to do the European leg of the tour uh, as opposed to the U.S. Uh, side of things. But, you know, it was cool to see the, you know, the top seed open that, that took place uh, last week in Lexington right down the road from us. Um, so that was fun to have uh, back in the mix just to kind of feel like we're getting the sport kind of back to some level of normalcy. I know that's kind of a work in progress, but um, just feeling like 
things are, I think, moving in the right direction. Sounds like USDA has got a great plan in place for uh, safety precautions at the Western Southern Open and then the U.S. Open after that. And I'm just, I'm excited to, to kind of watch things uh, again on TV. It's going to be interesting to, to see what it sounds like on TV because, you know, some of the events I've been watching, you know, they pipe in the crowd noise, the fake crowd noise, whether it's, you know, European soccer matches or, uh, you know, NBA and so it kind of feels like you're still watching the game. Like it even sounds like you're watching the game. Tennis is going to be interesting because I, I don't see how they would do that. And it's, I wonder what the ball is going to sound like in those big stadiums, you know, is it going to echo around and is it going to be strange? But um, at the end of the day, it's just going to be exciting, um, you know, as a player, as a fan, just to feel like we're kind of getting back to normal a little bit and, and watching some competitive tennis and, I think all the players that are going to be out there, they're going to be going at it. I mean, they're, they want to compete. You know, they've all been just practicing and doing everything they can for the last six months to stay fit. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that kind of plays out. You know, I would expect some, some upsets, some unusual results maybe, but um, yeah, I'm just excited to, uh, to, to see things back on a competitive level, um, you know, and, and, and hopefully it can just kind of build on that. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree with you. It's going to be so great to have our favorite pros out on court. And I know neither of us are medical experts. I still always want to ask this question to our guests because I think as a tennis community, all of us are wondering with these safety and health procedures, what is the U.S. Open going to look like? How is that going to feel? How is that going to impact play? And more importantly, are we apprehensive about this event at all? And that's my question for you. You look at, you know, just from a fan perspective, casual given everything that's gone on and it seems like the tennis world the Adria tour really served as a wake-up call and then we got to see world team tennis successfully pull off a bubble we got to see here in the states which is the most uh you know directly comparable to what we're going to see in New York in Lexington thus far it seems to have gone off without a hitch your thoughts just in general how comfortable are you with this event happening and you know do you think it will be able to pull it off I mean, just from the, the more recent examples that you mentioned with, uh, you know, the World Team Tennis, the top seed open last week, and those are in the U.S. And, you know, maybe some lessons learned from the Adria Tour uh, in Europe. But, um, you know, I, I think the more recent events bode well, uh, where those things were in, in more of a bubble and, and more contained. And I think those were run more as uh, maybe more as competitions where that Adria Tour couldn't figure out if they, maybe that was more of an entertainment uh, play. I know there was a charitable component that was a little earlier in the summer too. So, you know, I think the standards might've been a little looser with that too. So I think some, and obviously some lessons were learned from it too. So I think things bode pretty well. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, obviously I'm on the outside looking in, but uh, I think the bubbles, if you will, uh, that they're trying to kind of put around these things um, seem to have worked well in the, the more recent events. These are obviously at a bigger scale, but, um, you know, I think the successes and some of the things they implemented there seem to have worked pretty well. So hopefully that bodes well for these uh, these these next uh, big tournaments coming up. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I completely agree with you. And certainly uh, the USTA, the US Open are going to have the resources that smaller events did not to 
try and create a bubble to try and keep all the players in one hotel you know in one line of transportation to and from the the host site it's it's going to be really interesting to see how they are able to do obviously we are all rooting for its success but that is not why we had you on the podcast today dave obviously <laughs> we are continue you know we always get off the tracks in the first 10 minutes that's half the fun right. having you on um but of course we have uh, some business to get to and i know it is something all of our fans will enjoy as well i always mention how grateful I am for the support we get from Midwest Sports. It gets even better today because you have a fun announcement, a fun giveaway you guys are doing at Midwest Sports. You want to let our listeners know what that is, Dave? Yeah, so we're, uh, you know, kind of absent the Western and Southern Open, um, you know, and we typically do uh, different kind of email signups, giveaways, sweepstakes, whatever you want to call them. You know, we typically run those during the tournament. Well, you know, so we don't have that this year in the same format. So uh, we're going to do some things online. So uh, kind of working on some uh, prize packages that we're going to start to roll out um, next Monday. And, um, you know, there's a few different ways you can get access to these. Um, I'll start with that because that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, if you come to our site, MidwestSports.com, uh, you may get served a pop-up that allows you to sign up for it. If you don't get served that pop-up, um, you can go to MidwestSports.com slash sweepstakes, and that'll get you to the sign-up page. And, uh, of course, we've got this on social media as well, Instagram, our Facebook pages. Uh, it'll be very self-explanatory when you're on those uh, different social media platforms. Um, but in essence, what it is, it's just a way for us to uh, you know, try to throw some really cool prizes out there and hopefully that gets people to engage with us and uh, opt into getting some email uh, communication from us, follow us on the social media platforms and just, you know, kind of engage with us year round. Uh, normally we're like happy to see everybody for that seven to 10 days out in Mason at the tournament. But, uh, you know, where we don't have that this year, we'd love to at least contact make contact with you virtually and, and maybe we can stay in touch uh, kind of year round as well. So, um, but again, just MidwestSports.com slash sweepstakes, probably the easiest way to get there uh, and or our Instagram and Facebook accounts uh, for Midwest sports, uh, Midwest sports tennis. Um, so you're like, well, what am I signing up for? What are these prizes? So let's get to that. Um, so we're going to do them uh, each day next week, Monday through Friday. Uh, I'll do a quick rundown on those. Um, Monday, we're going to do a Babolat Pure Arrow racket and bag that matches it. Um, Tuesday, we're going to have a Fila signed axolus shoe by John Isner. And then uh, an outfit uh, that's not his outfit, but it's, it's from the Heritage Collection. So it's the latest Fila line. Um, you can pick out your sizes and all that good stuff, of course. Um, Wednesday, we're going to do a... Uh, uh, one of the newest Dunlop rackets, the FX series, where you'll get your choice of rackets in that line, but that's their latest uh, line of performance rackets. And we're also going to have a nice bag and some cans of balls. Uh, Thursday, we're going to go to Novak's racket, so the head speed. We're going to be giving away a head speed racket and matching bag. And then Friday's the uh, the big one. So uh, we're going to have four tickets to the 2021 Western Southern Open. And a $1,000 gift card. Um, so the big buildup is for the one towards the end of the week, but there's still some pretty good stuff uh, coming up ahead of that. So um, just uh, trying to keep this as short as I can. 
but there's a lot of stuff. So um, <laughs> in a nutshell, uh, again, we're just we're looking to do some uh, great prize giveaways. Love to have you uh, engage with us, uh, you know, through an email sign up, uh, following us on the social media platforms as well. And, uh, you know, you'd be entered to win uh, one of these great prizes. So um, that's, uh, man, that's as short as I can make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds like a definite win. I, I don't think any of our listeners will complain about that. And for you guys, again, uh, this racket giveaway, one more time, can you just reiterate how everyone can sign up? Yeah. So uh, you can visit our website at uh, www.midwestsports.com slash sweepstakes. Uh, and or you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Midwest Sports Tennis. Um, all the details will be on there. Again, this will start Monday, and then we're going to draw for these daily. So uh, each one of those that I kind of rattled off for uh, Monday through Friday, we're going to do the drawings daily. So, uh, you know, check back with us, and um, you can register, enter to win each day. Um, and that's, that's kind of the long and short of it. Um, you know, again, we're just looking for ways to – kind of give some exciting prizes away and, and have people engage with us. And, uh, you know, there's there's really not a clunker in the bunch. So those are all pretty good. Friday is obviously the highlight. That's a pretty big, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty big prize. So, um, but, uh, you know, all good stuff uh, th throughout the whole week. So, um, and then as we talk about Babylon later, I'm going to throw another one in, but uh, we'll save that for uh, a little bit later. Um, but, uh <laughs> No, just just pretty cool stuff. A lot of really good things here, and, and hopefully people are excited to uh, to uh, you know engage with us virtually rather than uh, boots on the ground out at the tournament this year. Mm -hmm. No, I mean for everyone at this point, we are so uh, accustomed now to interacting virtually. So I think it will be uh, yeah. refreshing for everyone to hear. And as you mentioned, the the King Prize, the Babylon giveaway. What are your thoughts on the new stick? Um, yeah. So pivoting to. Uh, <laughs> biggest uh, biggest product rollout I would say for fall is probably the uh, the new Babylon Pure Drive. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we get a new one every uh, every couple, maybe three years, and uh, you know that's that racket's been really something else. I mean, it's been around for uh, you know a little over twenty years now, and um, you know every few years Babylon just kind of kind of evolves it a little bit. I mean, it's such a great design. It works for so many players. So versatile. You know, it's used on tour. Uh, it's used by junior players. It's used by, you know, intermediate level players. Um, it's just really unique in that regard, I think, in that it, it really is an appropriate racket for so many people. And we're always really excited to have a new one because, I mean, they, they sell very well. I mean, we're a retailer. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I mean, we want to sell rackets, too. So um, it's always a nice little, uh, you know, bump in sales, too. But um you know, the nice thing with the new one is, um, and I'm sitting here looking at one, so nobody's really allowed to, to, to have these yet, but um, <laughs> the racket comes out September 24th. Um, one of the cool things right now that Babylon allowed us to partner with them on was uh, a, an early demo program. So we've actually got the racket on our site now. Um, and if you want to get to it, just type in uh, 101.435 in the little search box on our site and it comes right up. Um, so basically you're allowed to demo it. So we're allowed to demo the racket now. So it's kind of an early release program uh, on the demo. So you can try it out, see what you think. Hey, did, did, did Babylon try to fix what wasn't broken? No, they didn't, by the way, that's my opinion. Um, <laughs> you can try it for yourself. And um, 
you know, take it for a test drive, see what you think. And then come uh, September 24th, uh, we're going to have them available to sell. So it's just cool that they've allowed us to kind of be a part of a pilot program on this to get these early demos out into the marketplace, give people an early sniff of what this thing's really about. Uh, it looks really cool. Uh, great cosmetic. Uh, that's not all they did to it, which I know a lot of people like to say. That's all they did, painted a different color and, you know, raised the price and, and that's it. No, they, uh, I think what they did is they, they took the um, specs that, they, that they've had that have been tried and true. They've left those alone. Weighs the same, balance is the same, swing weight's the same, head size is the same, string pattern's the same, string spacing's the same, and on and on and on. What they've changed are kind of more under the hood changes. Uh, it's in the layup of the racket. It's in, in, in how it's constructed. And uh, these might just sound like, you know, terms that don't mean anything to people, but it really does affect the way the racket feels, I think, in a positive way. Um, they've got something called uh, SWX Pure Feel. And the idea behind it is they take what they updated in the most recent generation of the Pure Drive. It's a, a material kind of dampening uh, material called um, SMAC, S-M-A-C, and it's just a material that's laid up into the frame, and it just takes out some of the harshness. I mean, the Pure Drive is a stiff racket. A lot of people have kind of, it's been a knock on it for, for a long time uh, for people that don't like it, but uh, what SMAC did is it kind of took the edge off of that, and it really gives it a nice, compliant feel. It's really crisp. Uh, it's even got a little better sound when you hit with it. Well, SWX Pure Feel is just an evolution of that. Uh, they use this smack material and a few more points in the frame. It doesn't make it feel like a piece of rubber. I know that's always the concern when you put more dampening or more filtering or something in the frame. That's not what they did. Um, they just put it in really strategic parts of the frame that just enhance the feel of the racket. And I'm a pure arrow player. I'm not sponsored by Babolat to say that. This is purely seat of the pants. It's just observation from what we sell, what we hear from customers. Um, but so far, the early returns on this is just it's a great evolution of the pure drive. Um, again, they didn't try to fix what wasn't broken. The pure drive was not broken. It's a great racket. Uh, I just think they've evolved it for kind of the next generation. Maybe it's a racket that people consider that didn't like maybe how harsh the old pure drive felt to them. But mm -hmm. find out, find out for yourself. You don't take my word for it. So <laughs> we've got the demos available on our site now, but just a really nice update and an added bonus. It looks cool. So that's important <laughs> for you too. That never hurts. <laughs> no, I, I, yes, I, half of it's the aesthetic game, right? Look good, feel good, play good. Um, and as long as you're looking good, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if the racket should actually fit your game style, but you know, you brought something up there and it's a very fascinating myth. Uh, yes, you will hear many skeptics say, as opposed to upgrading their racket frame or getting the newest model, yeah, it's just a new paint job, or, you know, why would they swindle me out of that extra 100x dollars for this new frame? Let me put it like this, because... I'm going to say there's a middle ground somewhere. I think there's definitely some truth. Certain companies, certain rackets, as they upgraded new models, it was exactly the same as the previous generation. But Agreed. what would you say between generations of, you know, how frequently, or I guess how effective is the changing in rackets? Is it from generation to generation? Would you say maybe every two, three models there's a significant update? What is the general trend in terms of the actual upgrading of the technology of the frame. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some truth to that. I mean, there's 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 been plenty of rackets, racket updates over the years where it really is 
nothing more than a marketing story, uh, you know, a paint job. Uh, obviously, the touring pros use things that are typically uh, different from what they sell to the to the end user, but that's that that's okay. Um, I don't think it's any big revelation. Um, but I think, you know, I think the trick with some of these is really how how popular was the model that's being replaced and how much risk do you want to take and really fundamentally changing that. And I think the pure drive is a great example of, you know, it's such a great design. It's been such a great racket for Babolat that they're, you know, very mindful of that. And they want to be really, really careful to not, um, not change things too much. But that being said, also make it enough of a change that there's a compelling reason for people to want to switch. Um, I mean, I'm a big advocate of, of demoing. I'm not going to expect anybody to just take my word for it. I mean, I might sound like I know what I'm talking about. I like to think I do, but don't take my word for it. Hit with it for yourself and determine what you think, because, you know, little nuances in, in layup and, you know, frame construction and putting more smack in the racket, whatever it may be, whatever that technology update may be. I think some people are more sensitive to that than others. Um, and I think the best way to tell that is, is to try it for yourself. And whether it's a placebo effect or whether you really feel it, I mean, ultimately, that's got to determine for yourself that you want to part with that $200, $250, you know, for that new frame. Or do I want to buy the old version that I'm perfectly happy with for, you know, $160, $170 because now it's been marked down a little bit. So um, there's not a one size fits all. I don't want to be a complete cynic and say every new racket that comes out is just a paint job. It's not that simple. But I think some brands do a better job than others really updating and i'm saying that in quotation marks updating the frame with meaningful tweaks and not just painting it a fresh new color and i think babylon's one of those babylon's never been one of those that just you know slaps a fresh paint job on it uh you know hikes the price up 20 bucks and calls it new and improved not at all there's always something to it and the the pure drive's a perfect example of that mm -hmm. yeah so for those who are tentative you would say i i guess in terms of updating a frame, in terms of getting just a new racket, because we've talked about restringing before, but a straight up upgrading of the frame, we, you know, you have mentioned in the past on these podcasts, people will send you rackets to to restring, and you just go, yeah, <laughs> like really, like wow. are you sure? <laughs> yeah, what are we? Yeah, you're just like, what are we doing here? Uh, at the yeah. same time, even beyond that, from a yeah, I guess it's twofold. How how many hits, how many hours of usage does it take before a racket frame just is no longer at maximum capacity? B, in terms of a technology standpoint, if you're someone that's playing tennis frequently, how, you know, even if you really like your racket, just in terms of a technology upgrade, how would you recommend them updating their frames? You know, how frequently? Well, yeah, and obviously we've hit on the string side of it, but yeah, I mean, there is a, a degradation to the performance of the frame uh, <laughs> over time as well. Um, I always make the example to people, if I took this pure drive I'm looking at right now, it's got plastic on the handle and I string it and I sit it in a closet, I don't hit a ball with it. Well, even over the period of uh, a couple, three, four years, because the tension on the frames constantly kind of pulling on that frame and the resins that hold the frame together and the materials, the graphite that's laid up, and the various layers that make up that frame that does start to break down uh, under tension. And obviously if you're playing with it, that, that breaks it down as well, you know, hitting it on the ground just from playing, you know, not, not out of anger, but just from playing the game. I mean, those things all together do kind of degrade the, the frame integrity over time. So um, 
you know, it's something I would say for most people, uh, it's a consideration you should really look at every two to three years. And it's not because all oh, you're, you're using old technology, shame on you, you need to get the new version. Not at all, but I do think you're shortchanging yourself. And it's hard to tell because it's not like you go out one day, it plays great, and you go out and play three or four days later and the frame just completely plays differently and it's lost all of its response. It's, it's an overtime degradation. Um, and that's the thing that's a little harder to spot for people. I think typically they're looking at the frame, they're looking for signs of wear, like you know the bumper guard shot or you know the frame's just really worn or it's been hit on the ground so many times that it, it shows visible signs of wear. And that's certainly a marker to say you need a new frame, but a lot of the breakdown in the frame is, is not visible, not to the naked eye at least. And that's the, the, the resins that kind of bond the frame together. Uh, again, it's the graphite fibers that make up the frame. Those degrade over time too. So that is something over the course of two or three years that the frame is going to respond differently than it did when it was new. Are you going to be able to tell that? I don't know. Everybody's different. Uh, I would say if you were handed the same racket brand new and playing with the same racket you've been using for three years, strung the same, same string and everything, you would feel a difference. Uh, it's like putting on a new pair of, of, of shoes. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like it's not an immediate change. All of a sudden you can tell the difference. But then when you do an immediate comparison to something that's brand new, you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I still playing with this? The new one feels so much better. Um, so whether you're shamed in old technology and you feel like you need the new or the frame is just naturally degrading, I think every two to three years is not a bad time frame to consider as a rule of thumb to upgrade. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think that's completely fair and, you know, a personal anecdote from this because I can only share my own experiences and, you know, um, my, I laugh before I say it. My, my parents used to have a saying and, you know, they uh, just so you know, Dave, I'm Jewish and they used to always say, you know, we, we don't really celebrate Hanukkah because they'd say every day in the Gruskin house is Hanukkah. They'd be like, when have you guys asked for something and we haven't delivered that to you? And to their credit, they're absolutely right. I have, I have zero complaint about my childhood. I can only hope everyone gets to enjoy their first 18 years of life as much as I did being, you know, with the love and just the affection, all these different things. Anyway, <laughs> mom dad i love you that's what you know sneak that in every podcast i can but <laughs> nice. you know uh, because of that fact because i knew yes if i really need something i can go and ask them you don't want to abuse that right so i was not someone who i liked my rackets i liked playing with them i was someone who's very superstitious i like my rhythms so i never would ask them for a new frame but I was using, you know, the the Prince 03 at the time, and it was very much expired. It was the newer version of the orange one, not the oldest 03, the whatever newest version, and it just was gone. Like, the frame had nothing left in it, and my coach knew it, and he he just one day he comes in and he goes, Alex, you're going to start playing with this now, and he hands me a new racket, and I was like, oh, like... I don't like, are you sure? Like, is that fine? Fine. He's like, yes, I talked to your mother. He's like, your racket's just unacceptable. He's like, it's so obvious. Your frame <laughs> is dead. You just can't use this anymore. Like here are your new rackets. And I was like, oh, okay. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, it, because it was something I didn't even think about because as a kid, you show up, you play, you're not thinking about your string technology. You're not thinking about all of those things. And you and I had a fascinating, you know, we were part of a fascinating conversation on the tennis one app during 
uh, the top seed open where Sasha Bajin, who of course former hitting partner for Serena, coach for Osaka and Diana mm-hmm. Yastremska, uh, comes on to the podcast and he told us this anecdote that it even happens at the pro level that for years he and the Serena coaching box were trying to convince Serena, hey, you need to change your strings and right. you know, I, I know you remember the specifics so you can, I don't remember what the string change exactly what was fr- uh, from what to what but that she just wouldn't consider she's just like ah no I'm fine with what I'm playing and so Sasha went to Roger Federer by the way this was an ultimate name drop from Sasha Bajin yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like hey uh hey Roger do you can you talk to Serena about the strings because they wanted Serena to change to Roger's strings and they were like Roger if you tell her she'll be like oh I should definitely be doing this and so they managed to get Roger to do it and it just speaks to you know that story the fact that you don't think about frame degradation, particularly as a pro when they're sending you six new frames every month. But for people who aren't getting that sort of treatment, your frame does decay. Your strings do matter. All of those things, updating your gear, maintaining your equipment, it makes the littlest differences, which as we know in tennis, it's every little percent advantage you need to come out successful. Yeah. And in and over the uh, over the past six months, you know, where we've seen some, some players coming back to the game and, you know, maybe dusting off some old equipment and bringing it in to be maintained, at least they're taking that first step to, uh, you know, to update things. And, that, and maybe that starts with a restring because that's, you know, that's $25, $30 as opposed to, you know, $100, $150, $200 for a new frame. Um, so we've definitely seen some uh, some rackets kind of coming out of the woodwork. Again, you kind of shake your head at some of them, but you're like, well, at least they're coming in to to get it serviced and get it restrung. Um, I think grommets, grommets and bumper guards, you know, the replacement pieces where the strings go through the frame. I think those give people a crutch to probably prolong rackets that maybe should be put out to pasture. You know, we carry a, a fair number of those and, and, you know, we try to support that part of the business. But um, it's, it's, it's always interesting to see some of the things that people are trying to kind of keep going. And you're just kind of like, you know, this, this, this is not worth putting grommets in. There's already a hole burnt through the frame. I can see the, you know, the balloon inside the frame that they use to inflate the graphite when, when they're building it. Putting a bumper guard on that's probably not advisable at this point. But it's, it's amazing what people will do to kind of prolong the life of a frame that is just absolutely dead. And they'd really do themselves a, a huge service by by, uh, you know, getting a new one. So, um, and then I sound like a retailer when I say that, but I mean, I'm being honest from a, a, a tennis player standpoint is very rarely would you ask somebody to, Hey, try out this racket. You're playing with this old one. I think every, just about every time that that person's going to say, wow, that's, that's a really amazing difference. That's so much better. I can't believe I'm using that old kind of beat up frame. So, um, yeah, it's just something to be, uh, to be always thinking about. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to hear Sasha discuss the fact that so many <laughs> that I mean, was. He, he talked about it about with Diana Yastremska too, right? That he doesn't love her racket selection. And of course, for all of these pros, sponsorship considerations are always going to come into effect. But, you know, he said he would love her to maybe change with the frame she's using or change the tension she's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I thought that was so interesting. Curious what you thought. Well, the analogy I could always think, I was just thinking of the whole time. I love Formula One racing. I love auto racing, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the drivers that, that seem to be the top drivers, are the ones that kind of, kind of speak the language with the engineers and the mechanics. So they can, they can say, you know, something doesn't feel right in the steering. 
you know, they can really communicate that well and kind of speak that, that technical language a little bit. And I think the better drivers are able to do that. And that's why they're successful. I think um, to a certain extent, the players need to have uh, a certain kind of understanding of how all that works together and how that affects their game. And they don't need to know all the ins and outs. They don't need to know like the product lines and all that stuff. But I think the ones that, that have at least a, a working knowledge of it, it can help them work in conjunction with their team, you know, their coach to try to communicate some of that. Um, I, I don't think it would hurt, but it's, it's, it was just interesting to hear him say from an insider's point of view that, that, that a lot of the players just really don't have that, or maybe they're, so successful using what they've been using they just they really don't want to change i i know he said too a lot of them are really incredible creatures of habit like they don't want to switch from what they've always known and um when you're talking about serena serena used natural gut for a long time like full racket shown with natural gut and i think the change was you know federer uses a, a hybrid of natural gut and, and luxalon poly so it's a hybrid setup and i think that's what she uses to this date she may even use full poly for all i know but um it's just yeah getting them to evolve as the game evolves because some of these players are around for you know if you're around the game for 8 10 12 years you know the material technology evolves the frame technology evolves and you know you have to make sure you're you're, you're kind of moving along with that. But um, yeah, I think being able to speak that language a little bit, I think is uh, really important. Um, and it was just interesting to hear him kind of confirm that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, to hear, yeah, we, we talk about it here, but you can see it. It's the little, especially at the pro level, if your tension's a pound off, if that ball is sailing just an inch longer than you want it to be, that's yeah. 100. Yeah, that's going to significantly influence your performance significantly. Oh, and the, 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 the sur- where you're talking about the surface and the altitude and mm-hmm. the temperature and just all the variables that go into it. It's uh, even the ball type pretty it's pretty cool yeah the ball type and it, it was really uh i found that really fascinating i mean that may be super geeky but uh sorry that's what i do <laughs> for a living so you know. i was gonna say people who listen to this podcast expect the super geeky <laughs> they were like no way i missed yeah. out on that they were like how was i not on that call and hopefully most of you did join us uh because it really was a lot of fun but yeah i thought that was a fascinating discussion and you know you and i had a conversation based off of that you know what are some of the racket pairing player combinations that don't make sense or in particular we were talking about the babylon and you know rafa using the babylon does that make sense the babylon i have expressed and this is not to disparage Babylon the company because evidently if you're on the junior tour or you are a player who has played a lot of tennis in your time, you're just off of it, you know how many players use Babylon nowadays. Uh-huh. I don't know the numbers uh-huh. as well as you do, but I imagine Babylots are the best-selling rackets in the country. That and Wilson, one and two, you know, I guess had three and then probably a big, big drop-off. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know... I think versatility, you know, you have to draw the line between what you see on tour and what you see with the average consumer, even the junior player, the advanced, you know, uh, casual player, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the games are very different. Uh, it's a different sport entirely. If you ask me, it's like golf, you know, the, the pros play at a whole different level than, than the average person does. So, um, the fact that some of these rackets can transcend both of those really effectively. I think Babylon, again, I, I don't get paid to say this, but I think they've done the best job over the years of having rackets that kind of work well across a really wide spectrum of players. And they don't have to do that with 
having a million different little silos in their line, you know, they may have a specific, I don't want to call out somebody else because it's not a bad thing, but I'm just saying Babolat seems to be a more well-rounded design. And that's part of their just kind of design DNA of how the rackets are constructed um, that they've really, really uh, built a brand around. I mean, they've been around since 1875, but they didn't start making rackets till the 1990s. So they're, they're the new kid on the block when it comes to racket design, but um, man, they've got a great thing going and, and they just kind of do a, they do a really good job building on that, um, you know, with each successive generation. Um, and, and I think the other brands, you know, they all try to do their, their versions of it. But um, I do think it's very, very interesting that they got a line that kind of transcends a lot of ability levels. Um, a lot of other brands don't 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 have that in the same way. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean I have said it personally. It's not for me. Uh, it's just such a free swing, and I always judge. I think you know by their what they bring to the court. Whatever you're in tennis long enough. Uh, I like how I say whatever before I even get to the point. Um, you're in tennis long enough. You can start to identify people, their character traits by the equipment they use. You can sort of get in and sort of be like, okay, I know what to expect that from this guy. Like case in point, my lifelong doubles partner, partner in crime, co-host of this podcast on many occasions, Max Rothman, just screams Babylon. Everything about him wants to be flashy, <laughs> wants to swing big, hits the big serve, balls exploding through the court. He is a Babylon player. Similarly, you look at me and you would scream, yeah. This this kid's Prince Graphite. Of course he's Prince Graphite. He's stuck in the 90s. Everything's a little baggier than it should be. But yeah, there's a lot of precision behind that. He knows what he exactly what he wants to do. Like that, if that racket fits me, the racket fits the personality. And I, I mean, I just, I've never been a fan of the free swinging Babolat. And yet, like you look at it again, and sorry, like a Dominic team, a Rafael Nadal, the vitriol with which they swing, yeah. the fact that they just, I feel like you could put any stick in their hand and they would be able to produce a ball that goes 7,000 miles per hour. And yet, and I know they're using different frames than the one we do, but I don't know. The, the Babolat, it's just always fascinated me. Yeah, no, it's, I, I agree. I mean, it's certainly not a, I would say it's not a traditionalist design by any stretch. Um, uh, But even though it is, uh, you know, probably the oldest brand in tennis, um, the fact that they're probably the newest ones to racket uh, construction, um, I think it's it's kind of funny. It's the oldest brand, but they've got kind of the most uh, modern um, entry into the, into the racket realm. Um, And maybe they just fell into it, you know, Lightning in a bottle with Moya playing with it at the French. Wins the French in 98. Then you had Andy Roddick playing with it. He went on his tear in the late 90s and early and mid-2000s. And, you know, I, a lot of things lined up uh, really well, I think, to help the marketing uh, the marketing of it. And, you know, people already knew them for their string that they had made for a long, long time. And, um, you know, it, it just all kind of gelled together. And, and here we are. Yeah, they're the number one uh, – racket brand in the marketplace so it's uh it's funny how things work out sometimes 
Mm-hmm. No, it just another fun anecdote. It because you talk about those early two thousands. That's you know I turned eight at the end of two thousand three. Sorry to date you, and you know nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> that's when I'm first getting into USTA events, and right around two thousand five, I'm pretty sure. And you know uh, I pride myself on my memory. I used to have a thing where I would walk on the court, and if someone used that Andy Roddick racket, I would just be like, "Oh, you're a scrub." Like I know because that Babolat was not the greatest of rackets, and it's just like, "Oh, you're using that." You don't know what you're doing. Um, but And that's just me being an idiot, of course, as well. But, yeah, I mean, nowadays you can't deny every successful junior, it seems like, has either a Wilson or a Babolat in their hand. I mean, I think Brandon Nakashima uses the Babolat as well. Obviously, that's arguably the most talented up-and-coming young mm-hmm. junior on tour, uh, for yeah. the Americans at least. And so... Yeah, you can't deny the success Babylon has had, certainly as a company. But, yeah, I mean, it, it gets back to the same thing. No racket's going to play the same. Each person is different. Each game is different. It's really just about finding the equipment that suits you best. And I feel like people don't do enough experimenting. Don't go through the demo process. You demo one. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to go with this. It really is worthwhile to try out. It's hard to demo different strings in particular, but different frames, certainly. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of combinations out there, and you can get into uh, paralysis by overanalysis uh, without, <laughs> without a whole lot of trying. Um, but that's where I think we always uh, – you know, pride ourselves on trying to kind of steer people in the right direction. You know, we're always available to uh, give advice, give guidance. If you're confused on, you know, what you think would be right for your game. Um, I'm not going to try to get into that here. It would take too long, but we'll, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. But, um, you know, we're always happy if you reach out to us, uh, you know, online, MidwestSports.com. You can certainly call us anytime. We have human beings that answer the phones. Oh, and we know about two, so that that helps. Uh, we have a retail store here in Cincinnati. Obviously, we'd love to see you at the tournament, 2021. Um, but you know, we can help you navigate that. I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff out there, and, and I think you can really you can really boil it down. I think fairly easily. Um, the demo program uh, gives you an idea on the frame, and um, you know, we can help you out with that as well. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of things out there, but don't let the myriad of choices confuse you into not making a choice and then just sticking with old worn out stuff you're not doing yourself any favors so um, don't hesitate to reach out to us we'd love to help you get into the right racket and you mentioned, by the way, that they can come see you in uh, 2021. They can sign up to get free tickets, four tickets, as a matter of fact, yeah. to the 2021 Western and Southern Open by signing up for the Western Southern Giveaway on Midwest Sports. I want to go through these prizes again because they really yeah. are incredible. Monday, Babolat, Pure Arrow, and Bag. Uh, again, I feel like that's always a good combo. Is the bag going to be color-themed to the racket? Absolutely. <laughs> Great question. All right, question number two through this, and we're going through all of them. Tuesday, Fila signed shoe by John Isner plus outfit. Is the outfit made for a seven-foot human, or is it made for normal-sized people? Yeah, I mean, you might have to bulk up to fit into it, but no, it's, it's the Fila <laughs> Heritage line, It's it's uh, and we've got whatever size you need, small to double extra large. It's, uh, not, uh, it's not game-worn stuff from Isner. It is, uh, you know, the shoe's kind of a memento. It's the axilis with his autograph on it. And then the, uh, like I said, the outfit, you can, uh, you can pick out, uh, what size you need, polo, crew, short. Um, but, uh, it's nice looking stuff. Very classic. Mm. 
No, I mean, I know we have a couple of seven-foot listeners who would have been really interested <laughs> in that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's still good to know that they've got the uh, – for the normal size of us as well. All right, Wednesday, Dunlop FX bag plus balls. That's a win. I don't even think we need to go into that. Just win, win, win. Thursday, head rack, speed racket plus bag. Again, we're getting themed colors for these bags as well. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Dunlop, we've got a, a bag line that goes with the FX rackets. And then the uh, speed racket, um, I think it's a Djokovic bag. So, you know, that's that's Novak's uh, silo within head, the speed series. So, yeah, we've got a uh, racket bag that uh, that matches that with Novak's uh, uh, logo stenciled on it. So, yeah, very cool. No, they also say Thursday pairs best for those who are gluten-free um, because obviously that works well. And then obviously Friday, the coup de gras, uh, the four 2021 Western Southern Open tickets, a $1,000 gift card, Western Southern Open hats. I mean, it's just awesome. So one more time, can you tell our listeners how they can sign up? Yeah, uh, go to MidwestSports.com slash sweepstakes. Uh, if you go onto the website, uh, you can also check us out on Instagram. Or Facebook, uh, Midwest Sports Tennis, and uh, all the details will be on there. And those are those are daily giveaways, so um, definitely check in with us on those. And I've got one that I haven't thrown at you yet. We were talking about the pure drive, so um, I'm sitting here looking at one of these, and um, we're going to give one of these away too. However, the only thing is, I cannot draw the winner until September 24th. So this is going to be done through Instagram. Um, okay. So the Pure Drive one is its own thing. So this is the 2021 Pure Drive. Let's go to our Instagram account, Midwest Sports Tennis, and uh, you'll find details on there about the giveaway that we are doing on the new Pure Drive. So that one's going to be a little longer burn. Just again, we got to follow Battlelots rules on the uh, date that that thing can hit the market. But uh, we're going to roll that one out on Monday as well, and that's going to. Um, be drawn on september 24th so check in there for a chance to win the new babble up your drive no i as our listeners know i am always a fan of a good tease and so i am in on that that sounds great as well one other thing i know you guys are rolling out limited edition rafa nadal tiger woods nike shoes you want to quickly mention those yeah that's coming monday so monday uh, the 24th um We've got a limited edition Nike Vapor Cage 4 hitting the marketplace. Um, this one's a collaboration with Rafa and Tiger Woods. You're like, Tiger Woods? He, he plays golf. You know, why do I want to? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they're buddies. I know he was rooting for Rafa at the U.S. Open last year. I guess they've got a, a little thing on the side. Just they're, they're kind of Nike buddies, whatever you want to call it. But um, Rafa's a pretty good golfer, too. But it's just a really, really cool look shoe uh it's kind of a black and silver color scheme it's got a little bit of a tiger print kind of interwoven into the the upper of the shoe uh it's got rafa's logo on one shoe uh the tw tiger woods logo on the other shoe just really cool limited edition uh those roll out monday at 10 a.m eastern time so you know if you're looking for something cool unique different uh, you might want to check those out 
No, absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny because for the longest period of time, it felt like it was always Tiger and Roger Federer who were getting compared by their accomplishments, what they were able to do for in the histories of their respective sports. Now that, you know, it's just Tiger and Rafa left on Team Nike, I imagine Tiger's a Rafa fan. And I just would love to see Tiger at a Rafa versus a Federer match, see if that Gillette sponsorship he holds, what, you know, what he weighs more valuable, I suppose. <laughs> but certainly at a minimum, these are a pair of shoes everyone can get excited about. And there's always a lot of gross, uh, golf, tennis, fan crossover. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I know, yeah, that is something fans will enjoy. Well, Dave, it is always a pleasure to get the chance to talk to you. In case we don't have you on the podcast, my final question is your U.S. Open men's and women's singles champions are? Oh, man. Um, I, you knew I, mean, I wasn't going to let you like off a, with a... I wasn't going to let you no, off easy. Not, not be a, yeah, but it's not going to be a huge shock. I mean, I'm not going out on some giant limb here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Novak and Serena. Novak and Serena. Um, Medvedev, <laughs> I am going to be very, very curious to see Medvedev, though, because he's... Um, He's one of those guys, he's just that crafty, just crafty player that can give you fits. I mean, he won Cincinnati last year, and it was pretty interesting to watch him play. I, some people may find it boring. I didn't because the guy seems to be able to just hit any shot from anywhere. The ball's got so much pace on it, but you watch him, and you're just like, wow, that guy's – he's kind of unremarkable, but, man, he's just complete. He's just – there's not a lot of weakness there. So I'm going to be very interested to see him play, but I just think Novak, he's just – he's so fit. And I don't know. I just, if anybody beats him, it's going to be Medvedev. And, you know, so we'll see if that happens because that happened in Cincy last year. Medvedev did beat Djokovic here. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how how those guys play out in a field that's, you know, it's a little lighter than it's been in the past. But uh, I like Novak. Um, And then Serena. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be a homer. I'm, I'm just rooting for her to win. I just... I wish she would have done it by now, but she she hasn't, and I just I'm just rooting for her. I just I really hope she can pull it off, and uh, um, that she can kind of keep her focus and and just head down and and get it done. So those are my picks. I'm really going out on a limb. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. One of our other guests today, who I asked, uh, Brett McCormick of Sports Business Journals, he he picked Novak Djokovic and Sloane Stevens, and I was like, Brett, uh-huh. you are going to be the only person in the okay. world who picks Sloane Stevens, so okay. bravo to you on that selection. <laughs> so I have no problem, though. We're two for two on Djokovic. We'll take Serena. <laughs> we'll take Sloane. I'm just going to start taking names and you know keeping track of all of these things, but Dave, it is always a pleasure to get to chat with you thank you again for all of the support you and midwest sports give us here at cracked rackets and of course i always look forward to getting you back on the podcast again soon yeah likewise i always enjoy uh enjoy taking a little time and uh talking about all things tennis so i'm happy to do it looking forward to uh to the next one mm-hmm. hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy thank you alex you too yep take care take care bye-bye
Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Midwest Sports' Dave Limke, and of course, a huge shout-out to our friends at Midwest Sports for their continued support of us here at Cracked Rackets. For more of you, again, we encourage you, go sign up for that Western and Southern Open giveaway, but of course, if you're on MidwestSports.com, you need anything to update your gear, your racket, your clothing, your shoes, whatever it may be, go to MidwestSports.com, use our promo code CR15, you'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding 75 and, of course, best of all, that free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. We are so grateful for their continued support. The least we can ask you to do is support them as well. And again, a big shout-out to Dave for taking the time to nerd out with me on today's podcast. And, of course, we talked about it at the top. All of us tennis fans locked in on the three-week bubble that's about to start in New York. Western and Southern Open, followed by the U.S. Open, for all of your content needs, whether it be preview content, updates on what's happening day-to-day through these matches, you name it, we're going to be doing it here at Cracked Rackets on this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, on our YouTube channel, on our website as well. You're not going to want to miss any of the action, so make sure you like, rate, subscribe, review, follow, whatever it may be on each different platform. You need those more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, follow us at Cracked Rackets. You want to DM me directly. Like, I will say, I got this news about the Iowa uh, men's tennis team from a DM. I'm not going to say who that DM came from, obviously, but I said, oh, are you sure about this? Do you mind if I do a little bit of sniffing? And right as we were getting ready to publish, nevertheless, Iowa comes out with the official announcement. So I seriously, sincerely appreciate whenever any of you want to DM me with any sort of information. I'm still always going to check out that information myself, but I appreciate any tidbits, any advice, any of you have. So any feedback you guys want to give again, please feel free to uh, you know drop a message in those DMs or on our reviews at Great Shot Potter, of course, on our podcast feeds. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fleener and Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out in making these podcasts happen. Of course, shout out to our friends at Aerobar as well. The only tennis-specific energy bar available. It is more potassium than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavors, and more importantly, with the Aerobar comes a podcast, right? Our Getting to the Point episodes, we've had so many great guests, people like, you know, Bjorn Fertangelo, Jay Berger, Michael Russell, Billy Pate, Lauren em- uh, Laura Embry, can go on and on and on. It's just been that fun. Of course, Malavia Washington, how can I not say him? Uh, so, you know, again, to go support our friends over at Aerobar, go to uh, aerobar.com, you Use that promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your order. But again, two weeks, or three weeks, excuse me, in New York, we are ready to rock and roll, and we hope all of you tennis fans will come on the ride with us. So with that being said, for our wonderful guest, Dave Limke, our friends at Midwest Sports at and Aerobar, our super producers, Max Fligner, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break. And Maddie Stacks and I will see you all tomorrow for that drop. Take care, everyone. 